As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Good afternoon, everyone. It's, it's great to see you. I just want to make sure that I reiterate you know, what I said even in my opening press conference back in, in January. You know, my whole approach... Uh, to building this franchise, not only from a business operation standpoint, a culture standpoint, a stadium development standpoint, a football operations standpoint, is to make sure that we are extremely deliberate, that we're fair, uh, that we're good listeners, that we take the long-term approach. What needs to be done to go forward? And do you have the right people to accomplish that goal? And that's what we're going to continually do here, is to build this uh, program, this operations that we're proud of, that it's not a one-year wonder, that we don't have a good year and then we disappear for 10 years, that we can build this from a long-term standpoint. And that takes time. What's up? Welcome in during a very newsy week. It's like just dodging something every five seconds, not just Bears related, coaching news, London news. It's been a crazy week. Adam Hogan, Adam Johns with you here on Hogan Johns. London, baby. London, baby. I'm going back. Um, I want to thank the NFL and the Chicago Bears for giving Adam Johns a second chance in London without the stomach flu. The redemption tour. The redemption tour. It's it's on, baby. It's on. (laughs) I am so excited. Uh, Can't wait. Hope it works out with... Certain children's schedules. I know Mark Potash is, is wondering that, but um, yeah, yeah I, I'm excited to have a fresh and healthy trip across the sea. Yeah, um, Colleen, you, uh, you, maybe the whole family. Yeah, I was gonna say like you're just gonna leave her home with four kids. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you'll, right, you'll, you'll, you'll have a fifth one by then, and you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> That 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 could be on the table. Yeah, so we'll bring my uh, lovely bride uh, across. Maybe the family if things work out with certain children's football schedules. Uh, well, with everything going on, I was not anticipating that news drop this morning. Uh, <laughs> it came very early. It just oh, and by the way, um, here's a press release where the mayor of Chicago is announcing a, a a game in London. Huh? Okay. Wait, the mayor of Chicago announced it, or the I, I the NFL. Yeah, He's quoted in the Bears press release. I didn't see that part. I, I saw I, I Jordan McCaskey's tweet. Or, I know uh, it's like oh. it's like subtext to everything else, but I'm like, how did we go from the Bears not being on speaking terms with the last mayor to the new mayor being quoted in a Bears press release about playing in London? See, Kevin Warren plays chess when it comes to stadiums. And and this is, I mean, the, the mayor of Arlington Heights isn't. <laughs> That's what I mean. I, I read that. I'm like, the only reason he's in this press release is because it's a message to Arlington Heights. That's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with London. It has nothing to do with Chicago. It has to do with Arlington Heights. Yes. Yes. Leverage. Leverage, uh-huh. baby. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and at some point we should probably discuss the, the little bit of stadium talk that came up in the press conferences yesterday. Um, but that is... It's a little bit farther down the list at this point with all the news. Um, but hey, I do want to say this before we get into the press conferences. We know we have a huge presence in the UK and a lot of people that listen to this podcast overseas um, 
really throughout Europe too. So I don't think we fully understood that the last time the Bears went to London until we were there and we met, we met up with a lot of you guys and got to meet a lot of you guys, which was awesome. So um, it's good to have this news on January 11th. We don't know when the game's going to be or who they're going to play and all that, but um, obviously we will do whatever we can to, you know, live have show. a, Live yeah, have show. a good Hogan Johns possible live show, at least a meetup. Uh, we'll we'll plan all that. And, and not going to lie, if anybody in the UK or in London has any ideas or there's pubs that want to host us, please reach out to us. Um, you know, and we'll we'll try to make that happen because the better, you know, the earlier we can plan it, the better. So definitely want to throw that out there. And I know there's probably a lot of Bears fans in London right now excited. Uh, in the UK and across Europe too. I'm going to quarantine myself from my family for two full weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you? Yes, you cannot come near me. The annual John's bout uh, of stomach flu that comes through mm-hmm. this house at that time of year. We are going to avoid. Well, and Kevin Fishman and I are going to quarantine ourselves from you. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> we we, we got to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. We, we can't uh, do live shows in pubs in London if, if we're not present. <laughs> right. I should talk. I've been fighting this voice, whatever I've been dealing with for a week now. It's obnoxious. Not that I'm counting down to one o'clock today where I can finally breathe. Um, all right. Well, that was exciting news this morning. And um, obviously a lot to come there with, you know, whoever they play in London and all that. There were big press conferences at House Hall yesterday. Adam Johns was there. I was back in the CHGO studios where we reacted last night. And I know there's been a lot of reaction, but um, had a little bit more time to digest everything that was said. I re-listened to the press conferences on my my way home last night, too. And um, so we got some audio to play for you as we kind of break all this down. Um, before we get into that, just general takeaways from what turned out to be a 90-minute press conference that included Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, Kevin Warren, and... Not George McCaskey. He was present. A few McCaskies were actually in, in the room right next to us, um, lining the wall to the to the right of the podium or table, whatever have you there. Um, my, my, my first and probably most important takeaway is the quarterback struggles this year for Justin Fields, like the lack of development. Like that was the driving factor, I think, in a lot of the moves, or at least the decision-making that, that, that went on, right? Firing Luke Getze. And then what comes next? It, it's finding his replacement, but also having the first pick in draft in, in, the, in the NFL draft. Like that is everything right now. Quarterback failures drive change. Um, I get that there is still hope and promise for Justin Fields. I think the Bears did their best to articulate some of that hope and promise that they still see in Justin Fields. But at the same time, you heard Ryan Poles himself. This is such a unique situation having the first pick having such great quarterbacks to consider. It's going to be a fun offseason, Adam. Yeah, I got the sense that um, my gut is telling me they're probably leaning one way or the other. But I do believe Ryan Poles and some of his messaging where he's, you know, he clearly put it out there to the league, you know, sway me one way or the other. So I think they're open to all options. I think that makes the offensive coordinator hire a little tricky. Um, and we're going to get into all that. We're going to get into what they said exactly on that topic. But obviously, if you're taking this job, some of your biggest questions include what is Matt Eberflus's job security at this point um, going forward in terms of longevity and who the hell am I coaching at quarterback and getting somebody to dive in on that without maybe knowing that answer fully at this point could be a little bit of a challenge, but I also think there's some truth, John's the to Matt Eberflew saying that their phones are blowing up because not too many teams are in the position the Bears are in right now with the number one pick, with a ton of cap space, with the young roster that's up and coming. So I can honestly see that all. I can see that a lot of different ways. 
So I, I have a column coming out, I, I think probably Friday morning on The Athletic, where I try to analyze some of the appealing traits for the Chicago Bears. And, and number one, maybe on my list, um, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I get say in what happens at quarterback almost, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, they're going to, you know, take me to the to the dry erase board and, and talk X and o, X's and O's. Yes, they want to know what I would do for this quarterback, that quarterback. How about this quarterback? They, they want to know my strategy and how I'm going to adapt if that strategy has to change because of injury. But at the same time, I get a say in what happens at quarterback. Like, I get a say what happens with the first pick. Um, that would be so appealing if I'm Shane Waldron, if I'm Clint Kubiak, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury. I, I'm just saying, like, that would be so appealing if I'm a young offensive mind and I want to connect myself with a young, promising quarterback, even if that is Justin Fields. Yeah. Um well, let's get into, I think, the, the the first question that has to be addressed off the top is something we, we sort of knew what was coming, even during the 48 hours of silence or whatever, but it still needs to be explained. Um, and that question was, why did they decide to keep the head coach, first and foremost? Um, so we'll start there and what Kevin Warren had to say about why they kept Matt Eberflus. Kevin, when we talked to you on Friday, you said that you were going to, when we were talking about the coaching staff, that you were going to take a big picture, methodical look. Ultimately, how come that came down to not looking outside of the building at any other options? I know Ryan said that there was no call placed to Jim Harbaugh or anyone else. Ultimately, how did you arrive at that decision? I mean, I think the way you arrive at the decision is that you, you start at home first. I mean, one thing about Matt, uh, we know him. We've worked with him. We understand everyone in this uh, society, everyone in business, everyone in the NFL, coach, player, we all have blind spots. And there's areas that we can improve. But I have confidence in him. I have confidence in, in, in Ryan and their working relationship. And so what you have to do is to make sure, as I said, can you create an environment? Can we help each other to be able to pull together to create a bond? Uh, because, it, you know, just think about the number of coaches each year that are fired and that are hired, and they all start off, this is the right one. This is going to work. And then two years later, it does it again. And if you look at the organizations in the playoffs right now, look at them right now, it took time to make sure that they really build that. Even in downtimes, they were building, because sometime in the teardown is really you're building up. And so I'm focused on making sure, um, and it's not that we become where we relax, you know, that, that we're focused on. We want to be diligent. We're type A individuals. We want to win. Um, we're impatiently patient, uh, but we also understand the importance to build the champion. It does take some time. I'm not saying a, a lot of time, but but I strongly believe that this third year going into uh, this third year is going to be a critical time for us to take a major jump. I think there's a lot of truth to what he was saying there. And, and I don't think that this was an easy situation for the Bears to be in um, because I I do believe that there is some value to continuity. And there's, a, I mean, there was progress this year, Johns, and you got to look at all that. And I think a lot of the arguments for firing Flus have to do with the fear of the past. And I've said it here, and I've I said it on CHO a hundred times. I mean, if they end up in a situation where they are firing Matt Eberflus next this time next year after drafting a rookie quarterback, and it's all then then that's they which just speaks to the idea that they better be right about this. Like they, they, they I understand why they're keeping them, but they better be right because otherwise it's just repeating the same exact mistakes. But that fear of the past doesn't necessarily always apply to the present, if that makes sense. And so I understand where Kevin Warren's coming from in this idea that, hey, they did make progress from year one to year two. And there is something to be said about the most successful teams in the league having some level of continuity and building things up over the course of two or three years. I want to go back to something that we have talked about like at, at length. You know, o- over two years, Mandy Berflus's teams have produced, what, 10 wins? But when you, when you just look at that, like 
oh yeah, fire him, 10 wins. It, it's awful. But like it, it ignores so much context of what that first year really was. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus were in lockstep on what that year was going to be. They traded their best player. <laughs> yeah. They purposely got worse. It was never going to be easy. Never going to be easy that year. And, and yes, some things probably were uglier than they wanted in their first season together, but that was a teardown. That was trading Cleo Mack. That was trading Robert Quinn. That was trading Roquan Smith. And then you start building back up the next year and you see the wins double. They're in games. Maybe should have won games against the Lions and Browns, you know, two playoff teams. And I get that they look bad losing in that fashion, but there there was progress made. And it's also like Ryan Poles repeatedly mentioning the rough seas. And I get that it's an, an analogy to try to make a point, but the Bears, at one point, I felt they were about to drown. I, I, I really did. Yeah. 0-4 to start the season. So much turmoil. Allen Williams is out. I thought they were done. I, quarterbacks I really calling out the coaching. Like, this is it. They were non-competitive. There was a lot of reason at that time to believe that, 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 well, that this was headed down to Mark Trestman 2.0 territory. 100%. Blown out by Ryan Poles' former team. Matt Nagy standing on that sideline. Like, it was bad. I thought they were done, but they but then they got better. Two wins. Defense starts turning it around. Um, there were signs of defensive of that defensive turnaround even before Montez Sweat arrived. And then he comes in and things really take off. So I think all of that going through those rough seas and getting out of it and staying afloat, again, to use Ryan Poles' own phrasing, like that mattered to Kevin Warren immensely. Now, they're sort of trying to thread this needle, though, of uh, this idea of continuity, despite the fact that there's now seven assistant coaches from Matt Eberflus's initial staff that need to be replaced. I know we both have some thoughts on this, um, but before we, we get to that, let's hear from Matt Eberflus on why he decided to fire Luke Getze. Right, what your decision to move on so you mentioned development, but can you expand on that? Yeah, just the uh, you know the growth and development of the of the offense. You know, to me, uh, needed to be uh, better than what it was. And uh, you know, to me, you know, you look at the passing game. Certainly, that's one aspect of it, and uh, that that's where it is. And uh, we decided to move on uh, from that. And again, that was my decision. Um, obviously, conferring with uh, you know, Ryan and George and Kevin, and, and uh, we made that decision this morning. Matt, you've now had seven coaches this season, either dismissed or depart the building how do you account for those missteps yeah that, that's that's a great question and uh i understand the question um i think when you're uh running an organization you know a, a team a football team and and you're the head of that you got to make tough decisions and those tough decisions were made and uh we feel it's in the best interest for the bears to do that you obviously have to find replacements what mistakes can you avoid making a second time reassembling a staff here yeah just uh, you know taking all the information um do a great job with uh, discerning uh have some wisdom there uh, conferring with uh, Ryan and the rest of the staff that's here and, and make a good decision. Good questioning there from Dan Weeder. Uh, fair questioning too on that, you know, that topic. This is, you know, I saw your tweet last night too, Johns, because there's like this fear um, of if they, by not firing Flus and hire, having to hire another OC, that they're going to lose this OC in a year if they have any type of success. And I made this point actually on CHGO yesterday. Okay, let's sign up with that. Let's start. Let, let's start with that. Like that'd be great because here's the reality. One one of the reasons why I think we 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 know Ryan Poles is making some headway here, and that you 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 want to trust him, is look at the fact that Ian Cunningham is one of the most coveted GMs right now. Look at the fact that Jeff King is getting an interview. Okay. Nobody's calling about these coaches. Seven coaches are out the door from the original staff that Matt Eberflus compiled. And I don't, unless I've missed something, I don't hear anybody calling these, are these requests, are there requests to interview Borgonzi to be a DC somewhere? Did I miss that? You know what I mean? Like I, 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 
I, I just, there needs to be more proof here. And that's why I think this offensive coordinator hire is so important that they can build an all-star coaching staff. And I say all-star coaching staff because that's the, those are the words that Matt Eberflus used yesterday. I also think it's important. Like you hear seven coaches and, and that sounds awful, but you have to separate and distinguish the Williams and David Walker situations from the quarterback conundrum on the other side, right? What happened with Williams and Walker are two separate situations fr- from themselves even. Like, they're not linked at all. Like, that's different than what happened offensively, right? So those, those are like two different conversations. Um, I, I, I still, though, real quick, I still think it reflects on Flus's hiring ability, though, a little bit. I mean, there's still hires and in, especially in my in I, I with the Allen Williams thing because that's like one of his guys. Yeah, but to your point you that you made, I want to say earlier. And and I the more I've thought about it, the more I think I agree with you on this. Where if there's like a troubling situation, sometimes the best path, even though you're close to this person, is just saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like instead of having something sit or sit around and fester and become worse, yeah. Well, they did the right thing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just so yeah. we're on the same page on that. But uh, I mean, with Luke Datsy, I mean, just look where to, to me it all comes down to the quarterback numbers. Just look where he ranks Justin Fields, you know, amongst his colleagues or his peers. He's in the bottom third of the league in really all the important statistical categories you need for quarterback play. There yeah. was going to be changes offensively. You know, the same thing applies to quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoko. All right, so now what are the Bears looking for in their next offensive coordinator? How's the search going to go? When you have this offensive coordinator opening, what are the traits and the priorities that you guys will place on the next offensive coordinator here as you try to fill that position? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, obviously you want to have somebody that's a great teacher. You know, uh, I think that's important because, you know, he has to coach the coaches to coach the position. And I think that's the number one trait of any great coach. Um, you know, you have to be able to have uh, the innovation you know, to, to really look at um, the players that you have and be able to help enhance and put those guys in position to succeed uh, and to get explosives and to move the ball down the field. So um, that right there, I think, is the most important thing. Uh, the, the teacher part of it and then the innovation part of it and the creativity, I think, is going to be the biggest part. Ryan, don't you, don't you need to have clarity about some clarity about your quarterback plans as you talk to offensive coordinator candidates? Because it would seem to change possibly the, the group of candidates that you could get the tone of those interviews, and those are very different tasks between coming into work with Justin versus helping you guys pick the right quarterback at number one. No, I love it because you have to, what are you going to do for these four different types of quarterbacks? I want to hear that, and I think it's really important to see the versatility and the adaptability in their in their um, their teaching and the, the way they implement a plan, scheme, adjust. Um, I think it actually makes it pretty dynamic in terms of the interview process. Okay, can we talk about that? Because that's been a huge talking point on Twitter, and I completely understand it. Because even I and I was in the room. Yeah, yes. Now, have you ever have you ever not been at a press conference, Johns, but you're watching it live and you start screaming at your TV trying to get a follow up question in? Because that was me, and I was like, "Oh, actually, I'm not there right now." I'm like, "What did you mean by four quarterbacks? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean?" And uh, Courtney, to her credit, Courtney Cronin. it did eventually follow up on that and and Ryan seemed caught off guard like he didn't understand what he had said. So I don't necessarily know. I kind of feel like he was just throwing out a hypothetical number like as an example of like what do you how are you gonna handle these four different quarterbacks? Or he slipped a little bit. And maybe he's talking about Fields, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and mystery quarterback number four that could be in the mix. You know, for, also, there was a couple times he subtly alluded to the idea of a veteran quarterback. I don't know if you picked up on that. There was a, some small, subtle, I don't think they're going down that road. But what did you make of that four quarterbacks comment? I don't know that we could take anything from it, but it was interesting. Like when you first hear, like in the moment when he said four, I'm like, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. Like that's, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. The more you thought about it is, is no, he's, 
there is some hypothetical there. So maybe it's it's emerging of both because even that hypothetical probably means those four quarterbacks plus a couple others, right? Like those are the quarterbacks in conversations, number one pick, or it's maybe a number nine pick. Maybe it's trading back later in the first round. Maybe that's the hypothetical they want to entertain. And if you're looking for more information about your offensive coordinator in terms of his ability to adjust, his adaptability, his ability to be innovative, you're going to throw those curveballs at him in conversations, right? You're, you're going to want to, hey, okay, we'll say we draft J.J. McCarthy instead of Caleb Williams, you know, later in the first round. What would you do for him instead? Like, you want to hear that from Shane Waldron. You want to hear that from Cliff Kingsbury or Clint Kubiak or Zach Robinson. You want those answers from those offensive coordinators. So, yeah, hypothetical. Um I do think we have some clarity there uh, to a certain extent, but even if he meant four different quarterbacks, I still think it applies to all the the big names we've been talking about for a bit here. Right. Even if he tipped his hand a little bit, he didn't give away any information. I mean, it's just sort of the same conversation, the same people that we're talking about. I think we all know what they're looking at in terms of scenarios, like keep Justin Fields, Use the first pick on a quarterback. Maybe use number nine on a quarterback. Trade back. Like, there's all sorts of different things. As he alluded to a couple times, like going through Ryan Poles' head in the moment, just in terms of the quantity of scenarios. Now, speaking of tipping your hand, one of the things I find fascinating, John's, about these interviews for the OC is you have to have these conversations without also tipping your hand to the coordinators who you don't end up hiring. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can't have, I don't just throw out a name. Let's say you interview Clint Kubiak, but you don't hire Clint Kubiak. You can't have Clint Kubiak leave the room knowing you're going to draft Caleb Williams or keep Justin Fields. Yeah. Texting you know I mean? his, texting his dad. Hey, they like yeah. Drake may who's going to text. Yeah. His friend, Mike Shanahan, who's going to text his son, Kyle Shanahan, and now it's friends. <laughs> and by the way, your best friend, Ian Cunningham, might end up being the GM of the team with the number two pick, which is also another fascinating thing of yeah. this whole thing. <laughs> and he's already got all your files and, and, and scouting information on whatever you've already done on these QBs, which is uh, super interesting. And things get out, like preferences yeah. and all that stuff get out. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's certainly fascinating. Like if, if I had a list, like... I think Shane Waldron's an intriguing candidate. I, I really do. I like what he did with Geno Smith, and he's from that Shanahan McVay tree. Kubiak is obviously like born and raised in it, being Gary Kubiak's son, and that goes like that tree goes back to Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak. Like that's the yeah. tree we're talking about, and they're all linked together. Um, I know you're interested in Cliff Kingsbury, but I think if you make that higher, I think we know where the Bears. Right, are going with the first pick. So for those that don't know, Cliff Kingsbury is the quarterback's coach. Um, and I think he's got an advisor role in the passing game too with the USC uh, Trojan. So he was literally coaching Caleb Williams this past season. Um, so if you go down that road, uh, and by the way, I think if you're, if you're thinking about if, Drafting Caleb Williams, that hire makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it really does. So I, I don't know if that's going to be a name. Um, because he's in college right now, that might be an interview you can get away with secretly without it coming out. Uh, maybe. Now, Cliff Kingsbury's got NFL ties too. So, you know, his, his camp might want it out. Um, but, you know, I just find that name interesting. I, I like the Shane Waldron idea for a couple of reasons. Um, one is, you know, he's worked with Belichick. He's worked with, um, you know, Pete Carroll, obviously he's Sean McVay. He's he, that offense really would not be a huge adjustment for Justin Fields. Um, if you're going to go down that road and by the way, the more I watch Caleb Williams, the more I think he would be a good fit in what the bears have already been running. Because a lot of things that Justin struggles to do in terms of timing and getting the ball out of his hands quick to the perimeter are things that Caleb does really well. He's at the top of the list of his strengths. So Waldron would be a candidate to me that would fit both options very well, where you don't need to tip your hand 
it could work either way. Um, and obviously that was a name that it probably yesterday morning they didn't even know would be available, but because Pete Carroll suddenly um, left the Seahawks, at least left the head coaching job, he's still going to stay on there in an advisor role. Um, and they, and the report was already out there last night that the bears had already requested permission to talk to Waldron. If I had one, if I'm Matt Eberflus, I would have one strong prerequisite, considerable NFL playing play calling experience, right? That's different than what I agree. Luke, than what Luke yeah. Getzey had, um, like that to me, like I, I need something where I could like debate and like honestly, like try to counter as a defensive coordinator, right? Like that seems so important to me. Like Waldron has it. Clint Kubiak has one year of it in uh, Minnesota. Like Zach Robinson doesn't have it. So how high is he on your list? Um, Mike LaFleur has a couple years in New York. Not so good, but maybe the quarterback just stunk. You know, like those are conversations I want to have with prospective candidates. But if I had one prerequisite, I want some considerable play calling experience, maybe more than one season's worth that I myself, as Matt Eberflus, can digest, diagnose, and attack if I'm trying to find the best offensive coordinator. I completely agree with you. And two last thoughts on that is, one is because when I look back at what I thought Luke Getze's biggest weakness was, was adjusting within the game. I thought he was really good at coming up with game plans and game plans differing from game to game based on who they were playing. I think you saw that a lot with good, strong first quarters. And then I think too many times in the game, there just weren't, there wasn't much logic sometimes on how you were adjusting or running plays off earlier plays. It, it just got confusing when you're watching the tape to me. Um, and I think by hiring somebody with considerable play calling experience that have been, has been through that before, you're going to have a much better chance of being in a better position to adjust in game. Second, I thought Ryan Poles made it abundantly clear yesterday that he is going to be much more involved in the hiring of this offensive staff. He basically admitted it was rushed last time because, you know, they're coming in fast. Bullets are flying with you're accepting a new job. You're moving your family. You're trying to hire a new staff on the fly. You're competing against other teams. It all happens very, very quickly. And, and I thought it was basically an admission that, you know, probably some mistakes were made last time. And, um, and so that's good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, I think we can get to a little bit more OC talk on the back end because it's all intertwined in what the hell happens with the quarterback, but it's important to hear what these guys have to say um, about Justin Fields. One of the questions asked to Ryan Poles was, can you potentially keep Fields and also bring in a rookie quarterback? Is there a world where you can draft a quarterback with the number one pick and keep Justin? Or are you of the belief that that's an untenable situation and it would have to be one of the other? Yeah, so my brain has gone crazy all year just thinking about the just the million different scenarios. Uh, and I'm sure that's, that's one of them. Um, I'll just stay very wide open with uh, the different paths that we can go. And as we collect information, if that close, you know, closes some of those, um, 
those pathways down, then we'll do that and move to the other ones. But I'm going to be wide open about this. Right. If you weren't blown away by C.J. Stroud, what is your standard that's going to allow you to find a quarterback who might be better than Justin Fields? I know you don't want to talk about the evaluation, but the evaluation of Stroud that you had is key because it gives fans an indication of just how good you are at evaluating quarterbacks and an important decision. Absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of it. There's, you know, the player aspect in terms of the human being and the leadership and uh, their maturity, and that's the human part, and then there's the tape. And we'll go through the tape and we'll look at, you know, processing and accuracy and all of those things to make sure they're on point to feel the best. Uh, there are situations where you go to and you develop um, and you may uh, overcome some of the shortcomings that you had in college. Um, there's situations where it's the, you know, the group around you that elevates you. Um, and the other thing too is like, I would also, you know, have a little card, like you got the sample size to be blown away, like in the NFL, like you got to stack year after year after year. So um, historically, we'll look at those quarterbacks that have been able to be productive for a long period of time and kind of mirror that and compare that to some of the guys in the draft. I was almost a little confused by that last part. Like, is he talking about they're going to look at quarterbacks that have had success in the NFL for a long period of time and then kind of like look back at what their college, yeah, what their traits were coming out of college and how that mirrors to the prospects coming out? Yeah, certain measurements. Um, I don't think they're trying to establish like new ways <laughs> to yeah. find it, but you got to explore every avenue because, like the, the, the CJ Stroud conversation, while interesting, like the Bears weren't taking a quarterback last year, where now it's like squarely on the table. That's why right. Ryan Poles mentioned we're going to take this decision, at least in his mind right now, all the way up to up until a- April, right? That's when yeah. the, the draft is. Um, like the Bears needed more. And I think he's very happy with what he got in terms of trading that first pick. He wanted to, to use that to, to build out his roster, um, just different situations. Um, just in terms of having fields and a rookie quarterback, like my first thought on that is it, if you did that, it's just a strange situation where you have like a locker room fully behind one guy. while the coaching staff who played a hand in the selection of the new guy is trying to develop the guy behind the guy that everybody seems to love. So I think that in most cases, just it's not Alex Smith. You know what I'm talking about? No, there's not really good comparison there. Yeah. With no. the Alex Smith situation. Yeah. Different just, points in their careers. Yeah. Smith was already on a second team deeper into his career. Um, and speaking of that locker room support, for Justin Fields. I think that that absolutely has to be a factor taken into account. And Ryan Poles was asked about that too. Ryan, how much do you take into account or should you take into account the the seemingly endless support for Justin Fields that we perceive to exist in the locker room just from talking to players? Do you take that into account or do you have to separate that part? Um, I have to separate it a little bit, but I absolutely love it. I mean, when you talk about building a team, I want that type of support in our locker room. I want those guys to, when they go take the field, I want them to believe in the player that they have at that quarterback position. I want them to believe into the person to the right and to their left. So I absolutely love that. Um, with any decision, uh, I got to take the emotion out of it and, and, and look at the, the whole whole deal there. Brian, this, won't be, this won't be your first time on a deep dive of a quarterback draft class. What do you envision as the, the, the most important parts of this next 10 to 12-week process as you do your homework on the entire class? And what have you learned through experience about how you – that 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 group the person um, that's the biggest the biggest part I got a lot of confidence in our ability to see talent on the field uh, the human being we got to figure out um, this especially to be a quarterback in, in this city you got to have it right you got to have toughness to you you got to have mental toughness you got to be able to block things out um, so really I, I got to find out about the human beings what are the key components of that what, what will you do to learn wiring of all these guys it's been time uh, reach out to the, the people that spent a lot of time with them through over the years. Um, and then I always feel like if you can sit down and look someone in the eyes and, and spend time with them, ask them the right questions, uh, you can learn a lot. Ryan, don't you, don't you need to have clarity about some clarity about your quarterback plans as you talk to offensive coordinator candidates? Because that would seem to change possibly the, the group of candidates that you could get, the tone of those interviews. And those are very different tasks between coming into work with Justin versus helping you guys pick the right quarterback at number one. No, 
I love it because you have to, what are you going to do for these four different types of quarterbacks? I want to hear that. And I think it's really important to see the versatility and the adaptability in their, in their, um, their teaching and the way they implement a plan, scheme, adjust. Um, I think it actually makes it pretty dynamic in terms of the interview process. I, I like that answer on the locker room support. I like that it's definitely a factor, something you want, but it can't it can't put blinders on from potentially a better option at the position. I think that was a really well answered question. That I makes think sense. that applies to every position, but obviously yeah. quarterback is more important than other than others because of well, well, so many reasons. Right, you can get away with some of the guys like not fully believing in a tight end or something <laughs> compared to uh, you kind of need the whole team behind the quarterback. And we've lived that in this city with a talented quarterback in the past that the entire locker room wasn't fully behind in Jay Cutler, uh, for example. So the fact that you, and I keep saying this, the fact that you know you have that with Justin Fields absolutely matters. And that's why when you hear Ryan Poles say, we have to figure out the human being aspect of it, they have to spend between now and whenever they make this quarterback decision really vetting these rookie quarterbacks and knowing as much as you can possibly know because you really can't know until they get in the building and they're in your uniform. But feel comfortable with these guys that they're going to be able to replace whatever you lose in that aspect with Justin Fields. That's a big part of this. That toughness, that ability to handle like this market, that's one aspect the previous regime got right about Justin Fields. Like he was built, he is built to handle all the scrutiny in Chicago. He's built to overcome all of it in many ways. And that's a box that Ryan Poles now himself can check off about Ryan, uh, about Justin Fields. Now, can he find that box to check off amongst others? I think is, is the question now with Caleb Williams, Drake May, can they handle everything that comes with being the quarterback for the Chicago Bears? Because you know and I know, Adam, it's so different than every other market in the NFL. All right, last clip we have for you is a little bit longer, but it's uh, it's a really a, a bunch of important stuff on what Ryan Bowles had to say about the quarterback position, Justin Fields, and potentially the number one pick. What's different this year now that you've had an extra year to evaluate Justin and the quarterback prospect class might be a little bit different this year. Yeah, it's, I'll actually go back to, to last year, you know, and I got to stay open-minded about it, but I really, not to use the same quote, but when I say I need to be blown away, it's, it's the same setup because, you know, seeing the things that Justin did this year, um, his ability to make plays, um, Coach talked about some of those improvements, keeping his eyes down the field, taking less sacks, um, see a lot of growth there where he can continue to get better. So, um, I'll have the same mindset. Someone needs to really show that they, you know, can. And it's not just the film. Like, I need the person. Like, there's a, a whole process here that we have to figure out. Um, but what we're going to do is is do what's best for the organization. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, similar situations in terms of the trade back. And I got to weigh all of those things to see what's going to help our team take the next step. Do you think it's better to have the number one pick this year than last year in terms of value? Do you think that that is going to be worth more if you were to trade it than you would get? more in return for it than you did last year? It's hard to tell right now. Um, you've all been a part of the draft coverage. Things change quick. Um, some of the mocks that you see now are probably not right, right? So that changes the whole dynamic. So um, it's tough to answer that question. But I, I think the first pick's always going to be in demand. How much, I don't know. When you look at a quarterback development plan, what gives you your confidence in Matt to oversee a plan and a staff that no matter who's playing quarterback, there will be a, a developmental plan that takes them to their maximum level? Yeah, just like I talked about, um, it starts with the leadership piece. It starts with uh, his knowledge of the game um, and then the ability to you know hire coaches to make sure we have a really good process and we, we bring in the right types of people that can, can put those plans together. Um, to help our guys take that next step. And if it's a young quarterback, then that's what it is. If it's to continue to elevate Justin, that's going to be a big part too. So quick uh, appreciation of Ryan Pohl's comment here, just as members of the media. I, I, sometimes we forget we've had previous general managers and coaches here that probably their answers to all these quarterback questions would have just been like, we're not going to talk about that right now. 
and I just I think it's uh, uh, cool for the fan base that they get to sort of hear Ryan Poles lay everything out like you know yeah we got to get to know we got to look at this we got to look at this when they're not shying away from the fact that Justin Fields might not be here but yes they also like the progress Justin Fields made this year like the in the past we could have heard and other teams still could have been like yeah we're just you know, we understand you guys all have questions about the quarterback, but it's not in our best interest right now to talk about it and like guarding things that don't really need to be guarded. You can have a transparent conversation about it without giving anything away, which is what I exactly what I think Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus did yesterday. He seems to be very confident in when well, he comes off as just very confident in what well, his vision always has. And then they're in their own skills to evaluate and draft you know, and I think his track record is starting to add up with more hits than misses. I mean, yes, when you have nine picks, you know, to hit on five of them is, is you know, 50-50 in a sense. But, like, his hits are adding up in a mm-hmm. sense. So he has reasons to believe in what he's doing. Um, Especially in the early rounds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. with the second-round picks and in, in the secondary. Um, it, it's just fascinating, like, to, to go back to the first pick conversation. Um he's not losing any leverage and saying like the first pick is always going to be in demand. Like there's always going to be teams vying for that quarterback vying for that spot to pick their quarterback and just look like there's so much more information that needs to be gathered just in terms of like who's running these teams, who's coaching these teams that could be calling the bears because no one is calling the bears right now, you know, from the commanders from the Patriots, from the Falcons. They all need head coaches, from the Chargers, you know, even if you want to go down that road. But, like, so many things have to sort itself out, you know, this week, next week, over the next three, four weeks in the NFL for real conversations to even be had about that first pick. Did you come away with any gut conclusion from after hearing what they had to say yesterday? in terms of maybe what way they're leaning? I think they're leaning towards drafting a quarterback. Like one of the final questions to polls was actually me. You know, I kind of like, Hey, went to Kevin. Hey, do we ask about the, the fifth year option yet? Like specifically about the fifth year option. He's like, no, I'm like, well, so, so I asked about it. And basically uh, the answer was, well, we got time. If the bears were that confident in the future with Justin Fields and having a future with Justin Fields, that fifth-year option is usually picked up within this week or next, right? They come rather quickly um, because then you start negotiations and you try to find long-term answers. The Bears, they're not there yet, nor should they be. The numbers, the hard numbers, the hard data, no matter how high you are in the promise potential of Justin Fields, tell you not to do it. They tell you he's a bottom third-of-the-league quarterback. That's just the hard truth. Could he be better with better help? Yes, absolutely. But the same applies to a lot of quarterbacks. So that is my speaking of takeaways as we go back to the top of the show. Like this year is different with the quarterback where last year you knew, even with the first pick that Ryan pulls, like the signs were there that he was going to trade it. This year, those signs aren't here. Even if he does trade it, you know, the signs seem to be there that the Bears are looking at different quarterback options for 2024. I think that's very important because I, you know, if you go back to our shows from last year, most of them were these conversations happen on ESPN every single day about getting rid of Justin Fields are crazy. Like, it's just not going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I think that it's just, Keep that in mind, like how different this landscape is this year. It's 100% on the table. I think, and I'm probably going to repeat myself many times between now and the draft or whenever this decision is made, and I probably already am. I think I agree with you. I think they are leaning towards drafting a quarterback. However, I don't think a decision is done because I don't think the evaluations are done. And I think that of all, maybe the most important thing to take out of the press conferences yesterday is what Ryan Poles said about evaluating the human beings. I think that they know already that Caleb Williams is a good quarterback and that Drake may is a good quarterback from what they can do on the field. You heard him say, we trust our ability to scout the talent on the football field. 
now it becomes more of an investigative piece about who these guys are as humans and how they can lead and how they can fit in this locker room. And so I think right now the lean is towards going that route with two exceptions that could change their minds, which is, does anything come up here in their scouting of the human beings where it doesn't check out that they do not think that they can be supported in the same way that Justin Fields is in that locker room. That's important. Um, and two, what is the trade compensation? Cause that's the other part of this, because if there's any doubts about Caleb Williams or Drake may or whoever, and how they're going to fit in the locker room. And then some team comes and blows you away with the number one pick tr- trying to trade for it. Well, that could sway you to keep Justin if it doesn't feel right. Um, and again, I think that speaks to the power and the good position that the Bears are in right now that we can't lose sight of as much as everyone wants to argue Caleb versus Justin and will continue to do. This doesn't need to be rushed. And I think back to what Josh Lucas said on our show a few weeks ago, it's been sticking in my head about how they determined too early that they were picking Mitch Trubisky. And you don't want to fall into that trap again. No, no. But I do believe, and again, this is just a gut feeling, but I think we're on the same page here. If everything checks out with Caleb Williams, if everything checks out there in terms of leadership and they have connections to that coaching staff, they can find out the information they need to have. And he heard polls talk about looking him in the eye or any of these quarterbacks in the eyes and really getting the, if all that checks out, I think that's probably where this ends up. But what if the new general manager of the Raiders comes up to you at the combine and offers you three first round picks in Max Crosby? Well, that's, that's the Greg Braggs trade. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but that's the, 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 that I'm talking about it. Yes, absolutely. That's the most entertaining yeah. part of all this is maybe a team will be as desperate, like <laughs> as desperate as any team has ever been to trade up for a quarterback. And it, it's happened. Find the before. sucker. Yeah, yeah. Find the sucker. They're, they're, they're always there. The bears used to be the sucker. Now they get to find last year. They found the Panthers yeah. find, find and, 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 and that could change things. And here's the, 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 the other hypothetical to consider, even if they trade back, I'm not sure that means they're sticking with Justin Fields either. You know, like hmm. where, where Ryan polls also mentioned when he's clarifying his answer about those four quarterbacks to Courtney, well, kind of indicated there's, quite a few good quarterbacks in this draft class. Like, I think it's important that Ryan Poles takes a swing on the position at some point. Like Tyson Bajan, as decent as as he was for four games and as young as he is right now, like, it comes via the draft and using an actual selection. So it's it's all fascinating to me. There's a lot of information still to be gathered, but, you know, Ryan Poles – such a unique situation in terms of what he could do to, to really rebuild this roster. You know, and we're forgetting all the cap space he has as well. Yeah. I also think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, if you're one of these prospects evaluating which situation you can go into and have early success, would you rather go to Washington with whatever they have on that roster right now? New England? Or does this Bears situation look a lot better where they have DJ Moore and an up-and-coming roster? And I mean, like in terms of... I feel like this gets lost in the conversation sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because too many times these quarterbacks are drafted to crappy teams where they, they get put in a bad situation right away. It happened to Mitch Trubisky. It happened to Justin Fields. This is not that situation. This is This is... Probably the best position the Bears have ever been in to draft a quarterback. It's, I'm, I'm trying to think of a comparison in, in recent years. In maybe Rex Grossman, when was that? But that's a long time ago. Forget Rex, you know, he's not our quarterback <laughs> anymore. But you're right. There, there are ample reasons to believe that Matt Abrevlus's defense 
will be flirting with top five rankings across the board, right? Like you could see them adding a defensive end, whether that's a free agency or at some point in the draft, you could see them adding to that defensive line to bolster that pass rush, which needs to be addressed. You've already seen some investment offensively. Darnell Wright, Nate Davis needs to have a better season. You had a center. You got some answers there. I mean, center is a high priority position for me if I'm making offseason needs. Um, you have a deep receiver class. Like, even if you miss a Marvin Harrison Jr., 1A, 1B, 1C are pretty good options for the Bears at receiver this year in this draft class. Yes. And you could definitely get one of those at nine. Yeah. Absolutely. Brock Bowers at nine or trade back and get like, the options are many. And yes, to, to your point, like wasn't this part of the conversation earlier about Caleb Williams when his father is saying, you know, some of these teams are just bad situations. Yeah. Maybe we're being, I don't think we're being overly optimistic about this, about this either. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Pohl said himself, one of the most interesting things he said yesterday, I thought was, was him saying that I think a rookie quarterback will have success here based on what we have. And he mentioned the defense. I think a good defense is one of the best friends a young quarterback can have. It takes some pressure off him. And look at the Panthers. They traded away their best receiver and their next first-round pick to get their quarterback. And they put Bryce Young in that situation. And now they ripped away his head coach and the GM. And now they got to start all over the Bears. The Bears, there's a situation where they can move back to two and still get Drake May and put him in the system while adding more draft capital. Yeah, this is where the Bears get you with their argument for uh, of stability. You look mm-hmm. at some of the other QB needy teams, Washington, new head coach, new GM, right? New England, new everything. Bill Belichick is out. Who else we got here? Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel is out. I know they got Will Levis, but Atlanta. The Raiders. Atlanta. All these teams. Mm -hmm. The the common thread with all of them is they don't have quarterbacks. And someone's going to be desperate. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. And by the way, desperate too could be for Justin Fields. Don't forget about that part of it too. I'm not ruling out a first-round pick for Justin. I'm not saying it's likely, but as desperate as these teams get for rookie quarterbacks, Justin's still in the conversation for <laughs> yeah. the right coach, the right GM drooling over having that skill set. Well, well, even just look look at all the quarterbacks who played, who started games this year. Justin Fields is so much better than... So many of them, right? Right. With all due respect to the Tommy DeVitos of the world, I'm taking Justin Fields every day and every night. I mean, seriously. Um, But the Bears are in a different position than the Giants. They have the first pick. It's different. We forgot about the Giants. You know, how desperate are they to move up? You know, they have, you know, questions there, obviously, at quarterback, even though Daniel Jones is still getting paid. The Vikings. What are they doing with Kirk Cousins? Is going to re-sign him or... Run it back. <laughs> you have to. They're in a tough spot. down the draft order. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts? I think we did a good job here, though, of getting through all the important stuff in this long press conference. I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason. I am so happy that London's going to be in the 2024 schedule. I hope it works out for all of us. Hopefully we can do something fun over there for everyone who has followed Hogan Johns throughout the years. But yeah, thank you for listening. I never, I don't think I said a good enough goodbye in the, the last episode. So, you know, thank you for everyone for listening throughout the season. This feels like, like this press conference always feels to me, like this is the conclusion of the past season. Like now that it's yes. over, thank you so much as always for listening, for reading on the athletic. Um, we have a lot of great stuff this week there'll be great stuff next week and just thank you as always yes the athletic.com slash hogan johns to get all of that um great content that johnsy and kevin have well we're not really going anywhere we'll be back next week um with more coverage of what's going on we got an oc 
search and uh, technically a DC search too <laughs> to to cover. So there's doesn't there's that just big... feel like an internal promotion coming? Yes, I, I think it it does. I think it does. Let it snow. Let it. Snow. By the way, it is. It is about to snow. We're gonna get snow a lot. We're gonna get a lot of snow tomorrow. Um, so I'm glad all this is over. We can get snowed in this weekend. We can watch a lot of football. Super wild card weekend. I'm especially fired up for Sunday. I think the games are great. And uh, we'll be back next week with more on whatever's going on. Hopefully by then I'll be rested up and my voice will be a lot better. How about that? Rest. All right. Say hey. nothing for all weekend. Try. <laughs> yeah. I don't My kids will make that tough. But uh, regardless, can't wait to see everybody in London next year. That's got us fired up on this Thursday morning. So that's exciting news. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Um, do your research. <laughs>